of the Krypton Podcast, your podcast for all things related to sci-fi Superman prequel series Krypton. Sorry we are a day late, but we had to um, go see Infinity War, and <laughs> so we are recording a day later than we should be, um, and we were super distracted by Chris Evans and his amazing beard. So we're going to try really hard not to talk about Marvel and or Chris Evans and his amazing beard while we talk about Krypton. I'm not gonna. I I don't know that I would be able to keep my Chris Evans beard related feelings <laughs> side the whole time, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> gonna try. Gonna try. Um, so, <laughs> as usual, um, we usually start out with "Did you like it?" So this episode is season one, episode six, "Civil Wars." Lacey, did you like it? I did like it. This show is so. Um, I feel like I keep saying it's so surprising every week, but I really, I was shocked by so many things in this episode and by Krypton's just total willingness to go for broke in, in episode six and be like, Oh, well you thought you were watching one show. <laughs> Jokes on you. You're watching a totally different show. Surprise. Um, I really, I liked that, that I don't, I don't know what part of the story I'm supposed to be trusting right now, which actually makes me feel kind of closer to Seg than anything that's happened on the show so far. Hmm. Which is nice, because I feel like normally I start I start our conversations by being like, oh god, it's another episode where Seg was the thing I liked least about it. Like, <laughs> he was, you know, the C plot where everything else was happening around him. Well, that is definitely not true in this episode, and it's it's really nice. I feel really good about being excited about his segment of the story for once. <laughs> what, you know, what I really loved about this episode was I kind of felt like it felt like a season opener, you know, like last week almost felt like it could have been like the cliffhanger of a season and that this would like be the pickup. Or, it, or even if this had like, you know how when, when shows like the flash or something like they go, they go on. Oh, the mid season like, finale. Yeah, like, yeah. they go on breaks for Christmas or, or, you know, where they're going to be gone for, like, a month at a time or something, and they have that big episode right there, and, and that is what this felt like. Yeah, this felt like coming back from that. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it, it, it literally, like, just, it resets the whole board. Like, everything that you, you know and you understood up until this point is just, like, throw it out the window, and and we're, we're back at zero, and, like, okay, so now this is what, what's going on. Um, and I think what was really neat about it was while we're having that experience, we're having it with the characters mm -hmm. because Seg is having that experience. Adam is having that experience. Lyda is having that experience. <laughs> uh, even Druzad is having that experience, you know, even, I mean, even really like Jaina and Dev are, are having this, like, what is going on? experience throughout the entire episode and so we're all like on the same plane of thought of like huh well that well, changes I, things <laughs> like <laughs> so what i loved about it is that i don't know i feel like i should know kind of a little more than the characters do because i have all this other external information about you know what i think happens in the future for them but I also am not sure why I feel so convinced that that's the future this show will have. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, no, we can't trust, you know, he's General Zod. Like, he's a bad person. We can't trust him. What He's here to do something terrible. But is he? Like, we don't, we don't know if this is 
the same version of him, if this is the same, even, I feel like, I don't feel like I should be using the word reality, and I think this is <laughs> Avengers' fault in some way, but, like, I don't, I don't even know if I'm in the same timeline with that version of the character. Like, I have all of this sort of external knowledge, so I think I know where it's going, but I have no reason other than, well, this is what happened in the comics or this is what happened in some other presentation of the story to go on. Right. And it might not be that at all. Well, I mean, from the beginning, you know, Adam has sort of been that character that is the voice of the audience or the eyes of the audience in that he comes from, like, quote-unquote, our time period where Superman exists and, you know whatever X, Y, and Z, like Brainiac has, you know, maybe Superman has defeated Brainiac at some point. Superman has had some interaction with Doomsday maybe at some point. Um, and so we know that Superman exists. We know that Superman has come to, goes to Earth. We know that Krypton's blown up. Um, and we know all of that because Adam tells us that that's what happens in the timeline. And he comes back and is like, listen, you know, we have to preserve the timeline. Um, he recognizes Zod, so obviously that conflict has occurred as well in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, this isn't Man of Steel, otherwise Zod would be dead. But, um, it, yeah, it's interesting because because also Adam is now, you know, because Adam was sort of our gateway of like, okay, so we have as much information as Adam does. And then now it's like Adam is standing there and he's like very resolute in what he's there to do and like why he came. And he's like, nope, this guy's working with Brainiac, you know, X, Y, Z. And then, and then you get to sort of watch him realize that he was wrong. And him have his, like, oh, crap moment where he's like, oh, wait. Well, and if he was wrong about that, who's to say he's not wrong about other stuff? Right. Like, I, this, I, now I'm just, now I'm just like, trust nothing. But that's how I feel. I'm like, I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't know whose story I am supposed to believe because I'm supposed to have the same kind of, like, knowledge that, that Adam does. And yet he totally read it wrong right what if i'm reading it wrong too and the other thing that's interesting here and, and i feel like a part of me feels like i might be thinking too much about this and it it may not be important but so if adam adam basically is like yeah so i got this warning but like i didn't really hear the whole thing and Seg is like, wait a minute, you ran here and you didn't hear the whole thing. Like, I don't, what are you talking about? So I get the feeling, I, I think we've all always taken it face value because Adam presented it this way, that Superman sent him here. But now it yeah. seems as though Superman is not who sent him here. It's like maybe he overheard a conversation between Superman and someone else and then he came here, which, of course, now calls into question for me, like, where does he get the crystal to open the fortress? Where does he get the cape from? And who is the person that parlayed this message? And I and I don't know if that's maybe just is not really super important. And it might not be. And I might just be, like, looking really too much into it. Um, but it also kind of makes sense, too. Because, I mean, may, I mean maybe maybe you are right in the sort of genesis of how Adam got, went back in time, how this whole thing started, isn't as important as the fact that he is, is there. But 
it had to, I mean, it had to start from somewhere. He didn't just wake up one day and was like, hey, here's how I'm going to fix this perceived problem. It's going to be by going back in time. Right. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what was interesting was this whole episode call it, it, for me, like, when I was, like, sort of reflecting on it and when I was, when I sat to sort of write my, like, little review recap of the episode, I felt like the theme of faith sort of plays out, like, very literally faith in terms of religious faith, but just faith in general, like, you know, Adam has this faith that he's doing the right thing, and, you know, Drew has this faith that he's doing the right thing, and... Seg has to decide where to put his faith, you know? And so it's like, it's this really just interesting, like, dichotomy that exists throughout the episode. And what I found myself thinking about is no one is wrong. And when you're, when you're, like, looking at something that way, it's really interesting because you don't really, you can't really side with someone. Like, I'm, I'm... Immediately in at, at face, I'm going to side with Adam because Adam is from Earth and Superman is from, you know, I want Superman to exist. But at the same time, like, I can't blame someone like General Zod for wanting to save his planet. Like, neither of them is doing the wrong thing. Yeah, I think it goes, it goes back a little bit to what I've kind of been wrestling a little bit about with this episode. And that is sort of where I have preconceived ideas of how I'm supposed to feel about people. Like I'm supposed to feel that, that general Zod is a bad person and right. I'm supposed to be on Adam's side. Well, why, why I, I feel like I'm supposed to also interrogate a little more personally. Like, why do I feel that way? And it, it's because I just assume that all of the facts that I am making air quotes that you can't see that I know are still true here. Like you're right. Zod is trying to save, he is trying to save his planet. We don't know where he is in his sort of personal journey at this exact moment. Adam did lie. Like, he's mm -hmm. not a perfectly, like, his motives are not 100% pure in this situation. I mean, they, they are in the sense that he also wants Superman to exist. But, I mean, he didn't tell Seg the truth. Or at least not the whole truth. Right. So, he's not exactly 100% squeaky clean trustworthy on this front either i like that it's messy and i just I, that's what i keep circling back to is that is that i think i'm supposed to question the way i think i should be feeling about these people if, if that makes sense yeah well and i think that the that it's it's a, a you know we we talk about this a lot we we mention this every week i think it's a testament to the way the show is written like, the show has done a really wonderful job in the first five episodes of making me care about these people to the mm -hmm. point where I'm sitting here and going, I kind of want him to save the planet. I know, because you don't want these people, because if they, if, if it, if, you know, I'm, I'm making air quotes again, but if everything works out the way it's supposed to, they are, you know, their entire, you know, legacy and, and everything will get vaporized. But at the same time, I also understand that, you know, who Superman is and who he, be, you know, who he becomes, not just to Earth, but to the universe, really. I mean, he, he defeats someone like Brainiac, who is going around and destroying planets and cities in the entire universe. And he defeats Doomsday at some, you know, so like, 
he defeats these like world killers that aren't just a threat to the earth. They're a threat to the entire universe. And so I feel like when I look at that side of the picture too, I'm like, well, you know, do we sacrifice one for the greater, you know? And, and it's this like weird thing. And I'm like, and I just find myself, I, I kind of, I'm just like, I'm just going to watch and like see how it plays out because I kind of, I feel for both sides and, and I love that they have made General Zod like a person. Yeah. Like a, you know, a, a, a rootable person? Because like you I, said, you're preconceived to just be like, no, he's evil, and that's it. And the weird thing that I kept coming back to on, on that front as well is that I'm like, I don't know how he got to, like, how did he, how did he turn out the way I think he's supposed to turn out? Like, I don't, I, how did his relationship with, with, his mother i mean how did how did lida raise someone who hates the elves as much as he does eventually because clearly she doesn't like what happens to her or what happens or where does this come from like it's it's really it's hard it's hard to me to see how how lida's how lida's child would end up like that right well, I mean, I think we, we get a little bit of a glimpse into that because when they're having that conversation and he says, you know, it's nice to see you this way. And she's like, oh, young. He's like, no, happy and smiling. And he says, you know, the loss of candor really like weighed heavy on you. And so you get this idea that Lyda very much changes once Brainiac takes candor. And and in, in my head, I'm like, I could see how she maybe feels like I was distracted all this time by Seg and, you know... I wasn't doing what I, I wasn't was doing what I was supposed to be doing and that was how this ended up this way and you know sort of like really putting that on herself and and sort of towing the towing the company line so to speak in terms of you know the way the Zods sort of view and see things you know what I mean he says to her like you made me a weapon so I could see her her being like no like you're going to be the best Zod ever. You're going to make sure nothing ever happens here because, you know, an entire city got ripped off the planet on my watch. I like that reading, actually. That makes me, that makes more sense to me. It makes me really sad, but it also yeah. makes sense to me. And as far as the L's thing go, his his um, problem is really just with Cal. It's not really with jor And I thought that that was really interesting the way they addressed that, too, because, you know... He, rec- he says, you know, like, your son is my closest friend. And then when he's like, yeah, me and your grandson, whatever he <laughs> says. But he says, like, I take no pleasure in that, though. Which was, like, interesting, an interesting sort of perspective. It's it's this idea of, like, getting the other side of the story. Like, we only really know Superman's side of the story. And so it's like, yeah, you know, when, when he talks about, you know, immigrants who essentially assimilate and, and you know... Re- leave their culture behind and aren't proud of of where they come from and you know sort of deny that part of them for someone like him and for what we've seen of the zods you know especially in last week when you see you know jaina and and understanding that Lyda was was brought up in that culture as well like i could see why that would be be perceived as a great offense you know like they're very proud to be kryptonians and for someone like superman to sort of hide that away and not embrace it at all, I could see why he would be offended by that. 
I mean, yeah. we we know better as to why, you know, he is Clark Kent and why he sort of, you know, doesn't tell the world that he's an alien. You know, like we understand that, but I can see the I can see the other side of the of the coin. I think that takes a certain, I think that really, I mean, I know we're like, yes, the show does such a great job setting stuff up, but I think that does take a certain amount of care that, you know, some, some shows that are similar to this don't, don't bother with. It's that whole thing of like, you, if you can understand someone's motivation, you can understand why they do the things they do. You may not agree with them mm-hmm. and you might not agree with the method, but when you give me a motivation for a character that makes sense, I I can follow. I can say, okay, you know, maybe this this is not the best choice, but I understand why you're doing it. And and for me, for me, that is something that's super important when I'm reading something or watching something. I need to understand the motivation of the character and it has to make sense. And it has to, I think, feel true to who that person is, even if it's not what I would necessarily do. Right. Like, it has to feel like it's something that they would do. And that's why it's really interesting, you know, when you, when there's that scene there, and, oh, God, like, Seg and Adam just, like, I was, uh, like, near tears. I wasn't crying, but I was, like, they just broke my heart. Like, when Seg says to him, like, what is it all for? Like, what am I, what is the point of all of this if it's just gonna, if it's just gonna end in destruction? I'm like, you're asking me to give up everything, for an idea that I will never even, you know, live to see the right. fruition of. And and that and that like I don't know, it was like such a beautiful writing and like it was just such like a poignant moment of like yeah, this is like a these are choices, you know, like this isn't I kind of likened it to this is going to be like a very remedial a very 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 remedial like comparison, but it's kind of like trying to convince somebody why they should recycle. Okay. Like, you know, you the people are like, oh, whatever. You know, like, there are people who are like, well, I don't care because in, you know, a thousand years, I won't be here. So what do I care about the planet? Okay, I like choke dolphins with plastic or whatever. Right. You know, like, well, what do I care? I'm not going to be here. As And then it's like, well, no, I mean, you know, we need to, you know, make sure that the earth is still here for, you know, or that I shouldn't say that the earth is still here, that that humanity can sur- can survive on earth. You know, don't you care about your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren? And th- and it's like a conceptual thing. Like, some people have a hard time conceptualizing four or five generations away from them because it's like, well, I'm never going to see this. So, mm-hmm. you know, why is it important to me now? It's like, it, I mean, I think this is actually a line from a song in Hamilton, but the sentiment goes further back. But it's, you know, what is what is a legacy? And it's planting a tree in a garden that you'll never get to see. Right. And I've always, I mean, I, I think that's a particularly sort of like lovely way of looking at it, but that is, that is what it is. I thought it was super, this is, this was a weird, this was weird for me because I, I too found myself extremely, it's sort of caught up in, in SAG and Adam fighting. And I was really surprised by how much I cared about the fact that they were fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, I would not say that I had expected to, and I don't know among a lot of the really great things that this show has done, I don't know that it has done a super great job of building up a real relationship between the two of them thus far. 
So I think that's part of the reason why I was like not expecting to be as affected by it as I was. But I think it's because of what we were talking about before that I can kind of see where they were, that I can see where they're both coming from. Like, yes, Adam lied. Well, I mean, he didn't really lie, lie. He just didn't tell the whole truth. Right. And he did that knowing that he was keeping not only something that was very important from Seg, but something that would really, like, impact Seg's decision to help him, Seg's decision to even talk to him, his involvement in all of it. Like, he he kept it from him knowing, knowing exactly what he was keeping from him. And I can see, so I can, I can see why he didn't tell him. I can also 100% see why Seg is furious that he, you know, kept this in, that he didn't, that he didn't tell him. And I, I can see like everyone's perspective in this Mm -hmm. and they're both totally justified. And I did not think it was going to affect me as much as it did, but I was like, Oh my gosh, please stop fighting. Please just like talk it out. You know what I think? I think what what sold me on it, there were two things that sold me a lot on it. Besides besides just being able to understand both sides of this both sides of the argument. Um one of them was that Adam is like very honest in the fact that he says he straight up is like I didn't tell you cuz it was hard. Like oh, he yeah. he doesn't give him some like BS. Like he's just like it was just hard and I and I I I didn't want to do it. Like, basically, there. And that's, like, a really truthful, like, honest, like, soul-type honest answer. Like, it was too hard. I mean, I think a lot of things would be better if more people would just straight up say that. Right. Like, it was just, it's just too hard for me. It's not that I was trying to, like, do you a favor or that I had some nobler purpose. It just was really hard, and I thought that sucked. Right. And I just didn't want to do it. Like, I didn't want to put myself through it. And you're like, okay. And the other, the other thing that really sold it was, I feel like, you're right, I don't feel like the show has really, like, bonded them in a way that, like, in the dialogue or the writing that I'd be like, oh my god, this friendship. Um, but I think it's, it's a testament to Cameron and Sean mm-hmm. and their chemistry and their acting. Because, like, they really, like, I thought Sean was amazing in that scene. Like, just his face. Like, I felt his pain. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, this is really just, like, heartbreaking. Like, you could tell he was really upset that Seg was upset with him. And he was really upset that he was wrong. Like, that he got it wrong. I was really, I was, I was also so impressed by the two of them together here. I really, up until this point had been sort of kind of take it or leave it sometimes with Adam. And I, that was just, it made me feel a lot of new and complicated emotions about him, which was really nice. Yeah. And it's really, what's really weird is I want everyone to succeed. And I know that that's not possible. I know. It's like our planet of everyone shipping with everyone. (laughs) Like everyone's happy. They're all in like a, what are we up to now? Like six or seven way polygamous relationships. <laughs> like it's totally fine. Everyone's good here. <laughs> you know what I thought was interesting too was like what's going on with them also sort of mirrors a little bit what's happening with Jaina and Darren in the sense that like when Darren is talking, you know, when they have their sort of little altercation, 
Darren is also also super truthful. Like, Gina's like, you're just in it for number one. And he's like, you know, you're right. I am the most important. He goes, but right after me are the people of Candor. And I, again, I appreciate that honesty. Like, you owned that. I know. But he it's also, really- like, presents an idea that, that, again, and he's more the character of, like, the ends doesn't necessarily justify the means. And, like, I don't necessarily agree with your process. But what he wants and his goal isn't wrong. I know, it's actually kind of good. Right, like his his goal is to let the people of Candor run their government and their society. And he wants to, un- oh, so we got, a lot of, we got a lot of info in this whole conversation. So there are eight cities on Krypton. And he wants them all to unite and work together. And he's like, when all of the cities work together, the world will be a better place. And I'm like, no, yes, absolutely. That is a correct way of thinking. It also kind of opened my mind to the fact that I don't understand how Krypton's put together at all. I'm like, so are all the cities these sort of, I mean, like bubble kind of, areas on this desolate ice world? Yeah, I think they're all dome cities. Okay. Because that would be the only way they'd be able to, like, survive in the icy tundra that is Krypton. This planet doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I was also, in my head, I was thinking about this, too. I was like, is this planet nearly as large as Earth? Because eight cities doesn't seem like a lot. (laughs) I mean, I guess, I guess it would depend how big they are. I don't, I don't know if we're supposed to be, like, getting this, like, into right, the world right, building, right. but I feel like... This this is one of those are. things you're not supposed to be, like, nitpicking. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we are, though, because I keep coming back to the fact that they took the idea for this so much from the beginning of, of Man of Steel, and that clearly had so much thought for something that was, you know, only, what, a quarter of the movie put right. into, how, into how all of that was built. So I'm like, I guess this is probably just sort of extra stuff they had for that, but that's where this started, this, this whole concept of all of this. But I don't, I feel like we're, I feel like, you know, when you get like a fantasy book, like a Game of Thrones book or something at the library and it always comes with like a map inside the front cover. Yes. That it shows you where all the bit, you know, it shows you where King's Landing is and Winterfell is or whatever. I feel like I need that just so I can know where, everything is how big this world is how close they are to each other because i can't imagine that that these are that close to each other either since no one else seems to mention contact or trade or visiting any of these other places it's almost like they don't even exist and maybe they maybe they don't if they're supposed to be like i'm airporting again like other countries or lands or something on the planet I don't know. I need a map. Yeah. These are the things I think about. I know. I know. Me too. These are the things I think about and I'm like, I'm probably not supposed to be thinking this much into it, but because, because I watch these episodes like two or three times a piece, that's what ends up happening. Like by the time I reach my third viewing, I start like picking out these weird, like these like weird things that I'm probably not supposed to be thinking about, but I'm like, so... How does the lady in the cave do her hair? Like, I'm like, you know, like, it's like these, like, ridiculous questions. Like, I really just really need to know where they get food from. That's my main. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know there's plants that grow in caves, but I'm just. I have many questions about (laughs) caves as well. Like, where, what city, 
where are they from Candor? Like where how long I don't know. I just many I have many questions. But so, I but I again don't know I don't know. I feel like we will find out more about them though, because we have to find out how they sort of came to have Doomsday, how they came to have the the sigil that's Zod and L like combined, like where did that come from? Who made it? So I feel like we have to find out more about these people, but I also, in addition to these large existential questions of what is the meaning of their existence, I'd like to know how they eat. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, speaking of Doomsday, so that was pretty cool. Um, like when they opened the vault and you got to see him. Um, I embarrassing admission. For a minute I was like, what is this monster thing? Oh, it took me a minute, and it may have even taken someone saying it on the internet for me to be like, oh, duh. But I was like, what is this, like, cave troll thing in a jar? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Me a culpa, internet. Uh, <laughs> um, I was just like, oh, my God, it's Doomsday. So what I, what I need to know is, and this might be a... I, Again, I think we, we've we've expressed this before. I am not well versed in the comics, so I do not know the answer to these questions. So they made Doomsday for what? Like that's what I need to know. Like, were they just trying to make like a super weapon? Were they trying to make their very own Captain America? <laughs> Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Um. His beard is not nearly as nice. Uh, no, like, were they trying to make, like, make, like I, I'm in my head, I was like, okay, so, like, the Zod person went to the L person and was like, okay, we need to create, like, a super soldier, and you're, you know, the science-y person, so you're going to figure out how to do this, and I'm going to tell you all of the traits it needs to have, because I'm the soldier person. And then I'm curious if there is some sort of, like, like, if Doomsday has, like, Zod and L, like, DNA, which would be very Man of Steel, or BVS, I should say, I'm sorry. Um, you know, because Doomsday has, like, Lex Luthor's DNA. Part of me also was wondering if this was a sort of, we've created our, our own, you know, monster Chris Evans here, or <laughs> if it's, like, a Jurassic Park situation where this is some kind of, like, ancient creature that used to sort of run around the frozen tundra and is from back when the old gods were walking around or whatever. Mm. And they just sort of caught it and tranquilized it or threw it in this icebox or whatever it's in. And, and they figured out a way to like contain this monster rather than make it. I don't know. Cause I too am not super, I, there's so many, I think versions of this that I don't know. I don't, I don't know which one is the right one. If there is a right one, probably there's probably not one, you know, right way to read this, but right. I don't know, but I kind of like the idea. I like the Jurassic Park kind of idea. Like we came together to like stop this monster and now you have to like guard it forever or something because it's cosmic. I don't even know if that's remotely something that could even happen. It's just an idea that I took a weird fancy to. Yeah. So I just Wikipedia this quickly because I need to know the answer. So it says, 
Originally known as the Ultimate, Doomsday was born in prehistoric times on Krypton long before the heat. What? Just like Jurassic Park. Right. Yeah. Long before the humanoid Kryptonian race gained dominance over the planet about 250,000 years ago, it was a violent, hellish world where only the absolute strongest of creatures could survive. In a cruel experiment involving evolution intended to create the perfect living being, the alien scientist Bertrand released a humanoid infant born in vitro in a lab onto the surface of the planet where he is promptly killed by the harsh environment. God, this sounds like a terrible plan. Super creepy. The baby's remains were collected and used to clone a stronger version. This process was repeated over and over for decades as a form of accelerated natural evolution. The agony of these repeated deaths was recorded in his genes, driving the creature to hate all life. Ew. Huh. Okay, I was just skipping a little bit here. Interesting. There's some stuff here about dark scene. Yeah, moving along. Crosses paths with a green lantern. Yep, and eventually he just gets out of his vault and kills Superman. Gross. That's really, like, horrible. Yeah, that sounds like a super, like... Interesting. Okay, so... So your Jurassic Park theory was pretty on point there. I know our comic book reading listeners are going to listen to us talking about this like, oh my god... I know, they're going to be like, girls try harder. How did you not know this information? I'm sorry, I apologize in advance. Um, My brain can only hold so many things at once. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we're kind of in a comic book like property glut right now. I am blaming it on Chris Evans' beard. I'm distracted. So distracting, you guys. (laughs) Super distracting. Just like my one-sentence review of Infinity War for anyone that cares is that Chris Evans is is so attractive and it is it's physically distracting at times the space in my brain where the doomsday biography was occupied before is now occupied by chris evans beard it's so majestic sorry um (laughs) really like every couple minutes i'm just like Anyway, back to Krypton. Uh, so, yeah. So, Doomsday's in the vaults. Adam runs up with the Sithonites. He's like, no, guys, listen. This is not a good idea. And, yeah. So, that was interesting, too. So, I liked that little scene. I liked that scene because both Seg and Adam try to get them not to fight. They're like, no, 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 no. Everybody put your weapons down. And then, of course, you know, that plan doesn't really work out. But... Um, I it was the first sort of moment they felt like they were on the same wavelength again. I thought that yeah. was really a nice little natural way for that to happen. I also liked that as, as they escape that fight, um, that Seg still like cares enough to take Adam back. Like he's like, "You can ride with us, but then you have to leave." But I'm not gonna like make you trek across the tundra alone. You're right. And I was like, aww, you still love him. indeterminately far (laughs) it is, which we still haven't figured out. Right. Again, where a map would be helpful. But, you know, it's so funny, though, like, this whole episode, I was so, like, just devastated by, like, Seg and Adam being in a fight. And I didn't expect that, like you said. Like, I really didn't. Like, but I was so upset by it. Like, I was like, no, you can't be in a fight. Yeah, it is really weird because I can't, I mean, this sounds so bad, but I don't know how else to say it. But I I really didn't, like, care that much about their relationship, or I, I didn't think that I did. But apparently, like, on the DL inside, I cared a lot, apparently, or something. It's It was surprising to me how much I, I wanted them to not fight. Yeah. 
it was super super upsetting and like i said i, fe I feel like a lot of it is is the actors i think they really like sell that well yeah because it feels like it feels like there's some kind of bond between them even if they're not necessarily acting like bffs right um so should we talk about uh nissa's awesome outfits this week I feel like we should just have a segment about like Mrs. Wardrobe and it's just, like <laughs> costume porno with co costume corner with this effects or something. I didn't think there was enough Nissa in this episode. To be no, honest, I never think there's enough Nissa in any episode. There was, there was a lot of Dev, which I appreciated, and I have to say, I think that um, Aaron Pierre, who plays Dev, he did a really, really great job this episode. We really got to see him like shine a lot, um, and I think we got a lot of, like, sort of insight into who he is as a person, too. Dev is really dreamy, and I get the feeling that he is, I don't, I like, again, back to our, our like, polyamorous com commune or whatever, but, like, I don't want him, I, he's the one I fear the most will end up out of the story unhappy, and I don't want him to be unhappy. He seems like the nicest person and just a dreamy, a dreamy sort of dude, and I feel like he's not going to end well. And that makes me upset. Yeah. I like that he, um, you know, he's obviously very loyal. And I liked that he says to Jaina, you know, like, you taught me everything that I know about being a Sagittari. Um, but, like, at the end of it, the day, like, he also still has this, like, moral compass. Like, he's not about to let, like, random people die just for this plan. So he's sort of like on the fly hatches a new plan in which, which, you know, at the end of the episode probably doesn't play out so great, but he, he's like very like steadfast in the fact that he doesn't want like innocent people to die for this all to go down. Seems just such a solidly good person. Yeah. And on a show where everybody almost seems to have some kind of ulterior slash secret motive going on somehow, he seems remarkably straightforward and I don't know if that's on purpose or if we just haven't had an episode that's sort of dedicated to whatever particular secrets he's keeping, but he just seems like such a solid person. And every time he like is, every time he gets the chance to be like, I know I'm doing this for Lida. Let me, don't even finish talking. I'm just going to do whatever Lida needs me to do. I just kind of swoon a little bit. Yeah. I also really like, I always love how we talked about this, I think in like the very first episode about how, I always hate in, like, TV shows or movies, like, the random, like, sit down, have a cup of coffee, and let me tell you my whole life. Because um, it always just feels so, like, disingenuous. So I like that this show, like, randomly gives us little drops of, like, backstory, but also just, like, how the society works overall. Mm -hmm. So, like, I loved when, like, Jaina and Darren are having their argument, and she says, like, you know... I forget what she says, 20 years ago or whatever. She's like, 20 years ago, you came out of nowhere and married into House Vex and, you know, made it your mission to make House Vex important or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And it's like just in this argument that they have and, and the argument makes sense. But what you learn in that in that conversation is that, well, first of all, Darren isn't the Vex. So where it, what is he and where is he from? But also you find out that when these people bind or marry together, um, it is just whatever the stronger house is the name that gets taken. Because obviously he takes his wife's name. I love that she basically just called him out as a climber. Right. <laughs> like, you were a nobody who married up, and 
if you hadn't married up, you would still be, you wouldn't have any power, you wouldn't have any status. I thought that was awesome. And I also am so deeply curious now to know what is the deal with Nissa's mother? Like, who is she? Is she still alive? Is there any opportunity to meet her? Because I am so curious about who she is now. Not that I think she's, I I don't think this is another one of those things where she's like, she's going to be someone we've seen before. I don't think that, but I just, I definitely want to know. I want to know her now. Because, I mean, she clearly married down, so why? Right, but why, yeah. Like, did she love him? Did they love each other? Did she... I don't know. Like, this, they, I, I have questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. Well, and I, one of the things, I, I think I've said this before, but one of the things I love about the inclusion of the, of the Vexes is that we don't have any kind of preconceived notion about who they are or who they were or who some member of their family grows up to be, or they're just characters in the story. And I think that they have so much freedom to kind of do anything with them. But yes, Mrs. Baum, I need to know. And her sisters, where are they? That's right. She had, cause she has, I feel like we've talked about this before, but she, she's, she, she has two, four three. sisters. That's a lot. Uh-huh. Man, they had a lot of kids. All right. <laughs> Who, she married this guy. She married down, had a castle of kids with him. Who is this woman? <laughs> I need to meet her. Yeah, there wasn't a lot in the Nissa, in the Nissa's fashion corner no. this week because she wasn't she wasn't on as much. That's always depressing to me. Yeah, and there was oh, there was poor little random Sagittarius guy just trying to do the right thing. <laughs> it was so funny. He he started to get on my nerves. Like I was like, dude, just drop it. <laughs> You're going to get killed. Danger. Danger. (laughs) Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. I mean, I guess, though, if you're going to get, if you're going to get killed by someone on the show, it's probably, like, the best person to get killed by. That was kind of sad to me, too, because it was, like, like, watching Jaina sort of, like, you know, doing things that are not noble for this cause. And I'm just curious, like, what this is going to sort of do to her moving forward. She already looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, because she just murdered a dude. But, like, she do- she just already... I mean, it's been, like, one day, practically, here. She's already at, I can't do this. So I don't I don't really know where we go from after that. Yeah. It, it will be really interesting to see where she, where she winds up, you know, going forward. Um, so the voice is increasingly creepy. Yeah. Now that he is Brainiac. So, okay, here's my, my question on this, <laughs> on this particular segment of the episode. Okay, so he's been infected by the thing that was in the statue, the robot slug or whatever it was. And how does that work? So there was a different person who was the voice and is now turning into Brainiac or is being, like, remote controlled by Brainiac or... Eaten from the inside out by the robot bugs <laughs> into Brainiac. I don't know. Many, many questions on how this. I this feel is. like yes. So I feel like he was just another person, an insignificant other person. Um, and I, I feel like he's a conduit for Brainiac. Like I feel like Brainiac is sitting on his ship, and the little sentry that infected him is like somehow like you know it's like mind melding with Brainiac. And so 
like projecting. Yeah, like I feel like Brainiac is sort of projecting into him. Okay, I'm willing to accept that. That's that's sort of the way that like it reads to me, because what I felt like he was doing in this episode with Ona is he's sussing out like this society and like how they feel about this religious leader and like are they really religious and like how am I going to get these people like to trust me so that I can take the city and like that's sort of what I got from when he was talking to Ona he's like so why do you have faith and what do you why do you um you know why do you feel like this is what it is and you know, why is this important to you and how she like, you know, so I think he's kind of like trying to figure out like where everybody like sort of is, like what their headspace is. Like, okay, so if I promise them, you know, salvation, will they all just be like, yes, and come with me kind of thing. I think he's trying to like take candor in the like least violent way possible. Because he, he's a, because remember, he's a collector. He's not a destroyer. Yeah, he doesn't want to, like, break the merchandise. Right, so he doesn't want to destroy Candor. He just wants to put it in a little bottle and keep it. So there's something about it that he deems worthy or likes or, you know, he wants to just, like, collect collect it. So it's not like he wants to decimate it. So he wants to keep it intact. Um, so I feel like that's kind of what he's doing here with hers. He's just trying to sort of, like, figure out, you know, what the ground is here and what everybody's sort of like and where their headspace is. I actually really like that because it kind of makes that conversation work on two levels. Like not just he's trying to suss out this other society, but it also really sounds like a conversation that if he were still just the head of a creepy cult, (laughs) like it sounds like the conversation you would have with sort of a, a, a novice or an initiate or something right before you let them into your creepy cult <laughs> except for the part where it got to like talking about absorbing her and I started being like oh god we're not really going to do like child cannibalism on this show are we <laughs> but then, luckily we did not do that but I was really nervous about it for a hot second <laughs> yeah she, your mother is in me would you like to be in me too and I was like oh this is getting weird <laughs> Eat her. Weird stuff is happening right now. What are you doing? <laughs> and I did appreciate that other, like, priestess or whatever they are. Like, you could tell that she realizes that something's not right. Yeah, because he's talking about, like, absorbing children. And she's just like, yeah, no, yeah, I'm excited. Uh-huh. Like, I'm good. Please don't look at me. <laughs> um, And then, of course, there is, you know, the end. The very final scene in which I was like, what? That's, it's over? What? What do you mean? It feels like this episode went very quickly. It went really quickly, and I did not expect that to be the ending. So he finally is like, okay, you're going to kill me. Let me take my headpiece off. And then he's, he's you know, looking like Brainiac, and he, like... Except he, a sort of busted version of Brainiac. Right. He, like, <laughs> octopus grabs everybody by the head. And so I'm really hoping that, like, Jaina is an octopus grabbed and... Dev is an octopus grabbed, but I couldn't really, like, tell. I rewound it, like, three times to, like, see if they gave us a clear shot of where, like, either of those people, and, like, they don't. So I'm like, all right, maybe they're safe. Maybe they'll get out of the room. Maybe they just had to go deal with something in in the room next door, and they're fine. Well, they're there. Dev and Jaina are there when that happens, but, like, when he, like, releases the tentacles, you don't really see, like, who exactly they go to. 
So I'm just, I'm sort of hoping that they dodge it. Like, tuck and roll, dodge away from the, the or tentacles. Maybe it could be one of those things where, like, the tentacles read your brain and then, like, erase the memory of them so you don't even know that he's, like, tentacles after you. Right. Mostly because I feel like they're both too involved in, in other storylines to get brain melted or, or anything that is incredibly permanent done to them. Right. I feel like they have to mostly be okay. Yeah, I agree. Oh, wait, I remember this is rewinding a bit in the episode, but it's one thing <laughs> that I wanted to talk about because I thought it was such an interesting scene that so many shows like this don't bother to do, but it's the part where Seg and, um, Seg and Lyda talk about realizing their future or or sort of accepting that they're like, oh, man, I guess we're, we must not like work it out because... This is, you know, your kid. Yeah. Clearly, like, not my kid. Right. I like, I appreciated how, like, they addressed that, like, fairly quickly. Like, in, I mean, there's, like, there's, like, a lot of information to take in in this moment. And, you know, like, Light is sort of like, yeah, you know, so we have this dude here who recognizes me as his mother and you as the father of his best friend. Ah, that was the rest of the phrase. I knew that yeah. it, like, it felt, like, devastating the way that they put it. And I like that Seg, and this felt very much like a Seg thing, was like, let's just worry about today. <laughs> like, and, I mean, it's fair. You know, and, and it's a very, like, that's a very traditional, like, male-female thing where she's kind of, like, analyzing the situation and being like, you know, I thought, like, we really had a shot now. And he's just like, let's worry about this tomorrow. Um, <laughs> that is, yes. <laughs> very true. Uh, I mean, and and in a sense, he's right. I mean, we have a way more pressing matter to, like, deal with right now than, like, what happens five years from now, ten years from now. Um, you know, we have to make sure we're here kind of thing to even worry about this. Um, but it was kind of sad, too, where she's like, you know, I thought now that you were gilded, there would be a way. And I was I like, oh. I don't, I don't feel like... I don't, I don't feel like up until this point she was really, she seemed like such a realist about it. You know what I mean? Like, not that she was secretly sort of holding out hope that she and she, that she would, you know, end up, I always want to say marrying him, but it's not, it's not the right word. Binding whatever, officially making it official with him. Right. But because I don't, I don't think she's ever, well, it's clear that they love each other. I don't think she's ever been presented as, as somebody who is much in the way of like a, a a fantasist kind of. So I was like, oh, well, you know, she knows the deal. Like they both know the deal and it's all okay. Cause this is a different kind of society where, you know, you're not required to, to love or even particularly like the person that you have kids with. But right. it was, it was, I thought very interesting for her character that they, ba- she basically just was like, oh yeah, I kind of did. I kind of did hope that somehow we figure it out. Yeah. Not. It was like a little bittersweet. The one thing I, I did like a lot was, um, I liked her and, and her son. I felt like they had good chemistry and they had like these nice little moments. Um, and I loved the scene when like they come upon that like zombie dude mm-hmm. and, and her and Drew just like, fight fight it and and seg is just like standing there like yep you guys go ahead i'll, I'll just stand here <laughs> you, guys, you guys got this you're like i'll just be over here holding holding our weapons <laughs> i i, I appreciated like that they do seem related which i yeah would like a lot they seem connected 
we could we got some feedback, right? Some emails we can talk about. Yes, let's okay, so oh yeah. We got a very long email from Norma Lanneman. I'm sorry if I am butchering your last name, but thank you for writing us such a thoughtful email. This has a lot of stuff in it, so I'm just gonna try to pick out what is the thing I think will make us talk about it the most. Oh, you know what? This is she actually she makes a really good point on one of her questions that I didn't that I didn't think of until I just read this, but we were just talking about um Lida and Drew and she was she's saying love the interactions between Drew Zod and Lida and we got a glimpse into what her future looks like. I hope it changes. I also found it interesting he never mentioned his father. Uh maybe that will come up later. Uh Lida looks at him with such pride. She's totally in his corner and I feel that will not go well for her. A I totally agree with that secondary yeah but it is interesting that he doesn't mention his father which i guess i guess kind of in a way makes sense it's not like he's there but right but it also feels like a very deliberate thing to leave out you know what i mean like like we're purposefully not saying this because we want to leave i I don't know if it's because they want to like leave the door open that it's that it's sag and your and your grand theory of of tragic <laughs> family destruction is complete <laughs> or if it's because it's a character we haven't met yet or or what but I feel like they always hold but I, I say always like on episode six like I can say they do anything always but they do seem to be very deliberate about the information right. that they reveal and I feel like that has to be on purpose so I feel like in terms of the writers and like the showrunners yes that information is omitted on purpose I feel like in context of, like, the character, though, he's not expecting to run into his mother. And so I feel like he's not expecting to have this conversation at all. And so when he runs into them, I think he's sort of like, oh, okay, she's here. Like, he recognizes that whoever his father is is not there. Or is he? (laughs) But, but, you know, he... I think maybe he also probably is there... His plan was probably, like, get in, get out. You know, he's a military guy, stealth mode. Like, he wasn't expecting all this interaction with people that he knows. Like, he probably was just like, yeah, no, I was coming here. I was going to get this this doomsday thing. I was going to go stop Brainiac and, and call it a day. Jump back on my Zeta beam or whatever he used to get there. And uh, I feel like he's probably just, like, trying to not really give away too much. Although that makes me kind of be like, why did he even tell Lida that he was her son in the first place? But. Yeah. I mean, I think that came out of surprise. Because, you know, when Seg asks him, like, oh, you know, oh, you know my family? And he's, he's like, very cagey about it. Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, we, we, it's complicated. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm looking at that the wrong way. And it should be more like he is just very excited to see her. In the sense that whenever it is for him, she's probably been gone a while. Right. And so maybe he is sort of so overcome by the fact that it's his mother that it's just like, hey, hi, how are you doing? I'm your son. Yeah. Like, I feel like in that se- in that scene when they're, like, fighting and then he realizes who he is, who she is, he's just like, oh, my God, like, it's you, you know? Um, yeah. The other thing I do that find a little strange about that scene was it takes him until he sees the necklace to realize that it's his mother 
And I kind of, like, I know what my mom looked like when she was, like, 25. Like, I feel like if I just saw her, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's my mom. I don't know. I mean, I've seen pictures of my mom when she was younger, but I don't know if it were real life and she was a person standing next to me, if I would be like, oh, yeah, obviously that's my mom. I'd like to think I mean, if you were a time traveler and you went back to the time in which your mother was 25 years old. Well, yes, obviously. (laughs) Like, no, if I was walking down the street and some lady who looked like my mom when she was 25 years old was standing next to me, I probably wouldn't notice. But, like, in a situation in which I am time traveling back to the time when my mother is X age, I might, like, be more, like, cognizant of, like, is that her? Could that be her? Which one, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'd like to tell myself that I would (laughs) totally be able to, uh, that I would totally know. But I, I don't. I don't know for 100% sure that I would. I'd like to believe that I would. But sometimes I get, like, taken aback by, you know, pictures that flash up on the computer screensaver and how much thinner my friends and I were 10 years ago. <laughs> and it was only, like, 10 years ago. So, yeah, I don't know. That's I was true. Like, I feel the same, but I'm like, wow, that's demonstrably, like, I'm thinner. <laughs> so what do I know? Literally, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, in my my mother literally looks exactly the same as she did when she was younger, just older. Like she ha- like nothing about her has really changed. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she has like the exact same face. So it's like it's like, you know like some people you look at pictures of them like my like sometimes when I look at pictures of my grandmother when she was really young. I'm like that's my grandmother. Like it doesn't really look like her. Never mind. I just proved my point. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> I just proved myself incorrect. Got it. Um, yeah, I, I so, <laughs> like, I think it probably, it, it probably would be different for someone who, well, A, knew that time travel existed, and B, you know, was, I, I don't know why I've, like, now mentally latched onto this idea that, that he has either, you know, like, he's lost her in some way, and has now gotten the chance to talk to her again, but it's just a trope that I love. So I'm like, that's definitely what's happening here. Even though there's no evidence to support that claim. Um, no, I mean, I, I agree with that only because I feel like, and I don't know why I feel this way, but I, but for whatever reason, I feel like Sag and Lyda are not alive when Krypton blows up. Oh yeah, me too. I just assume, well, cause I mean, how long do Kryptonians live? Like, what is the average lifespan of a Kryptonian? Because this is a couple hundred years before it blows up, right? It's 200 years before it blows up, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like even if even if they are longer lived than the average human being, I, I feel like 200 is, that's a long time. Right. So I, I was also operating under the assumption that when the planet blows up, they're already, they're already gone. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely agree that you know we're at a point in in uh, his life where you know maybe he has it has been some time since he's seen his mother. I can. Oh, now of course I'm thinking like, what if that's wrong? What if we're not supposed to think that? I think that I'm overanalyzing entirely. <laughs> <laughs> we do have um, some reviews. So we have asked you guys because there were different hosts before us to uh, to go on and and you know sort of review us now that that there are new you know we're the new the new kids on the block here. Um, <laughs> but um bump for everyone born before 1991. The right stuff starts playing in the distance. <laughs> so we do have a few new um, reviews. So we have we one um, that says... 
exciting. This one is from March 30th, and it says, uh, this is a five-star podcast. I have tested all Krypton fan podcasts, and this is the only good one. I like the hosts a lot. Oh, this is, and dare I say they sound sexy. Who knows? <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I think. I, I think. <laughs> uh, we have another one um, from Lenny X one It says, really good podcast, and it's five stars. I have fallen in love with the Krypton TV show and was looking for a podcast that shares my excitement without getting too deep in the DC Comics world. This is the podcast for me. Yes, people who appreciate that we know nothing about the comics. I, I enjoy listening to Michelle and Lacey discuss each episode. Like the show, the podcast gets the podcast gets better with each new episode. They seem to be making notes of what to talk about, and that helps them stay on track. Give it a try. Thank you. And then we have one more that says improving. This one is three stars, and it says the podcast seems to be a bit more focused and improving now. I appreciate how the how the oh, sorry I can't talk how the hosts are excited about the show and its twists and turns, and that's from Trabby Baby. Oh, thanks, thanks guys. We appreciate it. Always like to, we always like to get the feedback. If there's something that like you uh, you know you want to tell us via email or Twitter or you know. Let us know, you know, if you, you don't like something that we do or like something that we do. We like or we like that. I think we should talk about something more than we do or less than we do, such as Chris Evans. Chris, beard. I was going to say, if you don't want to hear us talk about Chris Evans' beard, I mean. Who, who is that person? I don't know who that person is. That person shouldn't listen to the podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking, joking. Totally joking. Maybe you're a Tony Stark fan. That's cool. Um, Maybe a Tony Stark fan and still love the majesty of the Evans beard. That's that, all I'm saying. That's true. It's true. Um, on that note, uh, sidetracked again. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, Chris Evans and your beautiful beard. Um, if you go see Infinity War for nothing other than Chris Evans' beard, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, not being paid by Marvel for this. <laughs> we may be getting fired by DC. No. Stop talking about Marvel characters. They don't exist okay. in this we universe. We've seen it now. We're just both in the, like, seen it recently bubble. So we'll be, we'll be normal again. I promise next week we will okay. not talk about Chris Evans' beard. So, yes, on that note, <laughs> I think we've, uh, I think we've covered everything. Thank you all for bearing with us. For bearing with us and our love of Chris Evans' beard and... Our lateness. And our lateness and all of that great stuff. Um... So, Lacey, tell them where they can find you on the interwebs. I mean, if you want more gifts of Chris Evans and his majestic beard, please come visit me on Twitter. I'm at LaceyMB, L-A-C-Y-M-B. I'm pretty much LaceyMB everywhere on the internet, so I believe in brand synergy, so you can pretty much find me anywhere with that. Um, where else am I online? I'm reviewing The Flash this season, which I have a whole bunch of other yelling to do about that <laughs> over, at Tell- <laughs> over at Telltale TV. And I'm writing about Killing Eve over at Culture. You can find me on Twitter at Mimi C. That's M-I-M-I-C 1019. That is my at name for everything as well. Instagram, all that good fun stuff. Um, you can find me recapping and reviewing Krypton as well as Riverdale over on TV Source Magazine. I also randomly talk about other things, whatever strikes the mood strikes me. And I have another podcast that I host. It's called the Hashtag TV Geek Podcast. You can follow that on Twitter at H-A- 
S-H-T-A-G-T-B-Geek. I just forgot how to spell hashtag. Um, <laughs> it's really late when we're recording this, so I think this is probably going to be our worst ending ever because we don't actually know what time it is. Yep. Basically, it's almost 1 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, yeah, you can find me in all of those places. And if you would like to visit KryptonPodcast.com, you can find all the latest news, photos, trailers, descriptions, and more about Krypton. You can follow the podcast on social media at Krypton Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to send us lengthy theories and conversative emails, that's not a word, uh, you can email us at kryptonpodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe. the map of what you think Krypton looks like, I would greatly appreciate it. That would be fantastic. Please submit all artistic (laughs) designs. And representations of this planet. KryptonPodcastGmail.com You can subscribe to Krypton Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on iTunes, if you want to share some nice five-star reviews with us, because we're awesome. If you also like Chris Evans' majestic beard, you can tell us about that in the review. And (laughs) be sure to let us know what you enjoy most about Krypton, because that's what this is about. And you can... You can follow the entire DC TV podcast network where there are podcasts for Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, classic DC TV shows, and the upcoming Titan show at dctvpodcast.com. Follow the network on social media at dctvpodcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And last but not least, and I promise to stop talking, you can subscribe to our mega feed on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. That will be all for this week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.